Hey, this is Jesse, George, and Robert, and you're listening to BitBytes, an analytical discussion about gaming. Thanks for joining us. What's better to do when you're stuck inside in quarantine than play video games? So it's... You're not wrong. In some ways, it's like things have never changed for us. <laughs> so. We've just given the perfect opportunity. All right. Well, seems like we've been busy playing some pretty <laughs> exciting games. I know I have been playing some very much anticipated sequels, actually. Okay. Yeah, we actually, uh, there's a special two-for-one release day recently uh, from opposite ends of the gaming spectrum. But the communities have come together to celebrate the release of Doom Eternal and Animal <laughs> Crossing New Horizons. So quite an interesting crossover. If any of you have not seen some of the fun stuff the fandom has put out um, in, dance, in anticipation of these two games, then you should. But yeah, I'm definitely more on the Animal Crossing side of things. George, I presume you've been playing Doom Eternal. Yeah, uh, Doom Eternal has been taking up most of my time. It's a step up from the first one, for sure. It's, it's like they turned everything to 15, and I don't really have a whole lot of complaints. Everything's, like, super polished. There weren't really any bugs that I noticed. Uh, I think my game maybe crashed, like, once. But aside from that, it's been a very enjoyable experience through and through. PC, of course. It's great, too, because I think the first time that I got Doom for the original Doom um, for Xbox, the load times were kind of a pain whenever you died. But in this one, like, it takes less than five seconds to reload, like, when you die. Yeah. Uh, they, yeah, like I said, everything from music to gameplay to the amount of enemies that you fight to just the visual depth of everything is, you know, meets and exceeds the original. I've heard people talking about how this one has a different tone overall and like the design and the characters and the landscapes and everything. It's like, it's still doom, but it's a little bit more. Yeah. Goofy. Uh, yeah, I could see that. Um, they, they actually redesigned some of the, uh, character enemies from the first one. The whole thing I felt with this game is, you know, just taking it to the, you know, crazy extreme. And so it kind of reflects that in, to me, in the character designs. Because uh, the whole game, like, the the system that Doom is, you know, you know, built upon is the fast-paced, you know, you can't sit still, shoot them up. And this one, you really, really, really feel that to an extreme like you feel like you're having a heart attack the whole time you're playing the game yeah and that comes through with not just the music but the level design the new uh some of the new weapons that you have the maneuvering system that they've the kind of that they built upon with the first one that they've kind of added to with this one like the grappling hook with one of the guns or the meat hook the ability to dash whether you're in midair or on the ground, it was like super essential to the game. And that was the thing too. Like when I was watching gameplay trailers and when it was initially announced and such, I was like, ah, you know, I'm not sure how 
well this is going to translate with all these new abilities if I'm really going to actually use uh, all the stuff, all the new stuff that they're incorporating. But it's like they've made it where, like in the first one, you could pretty much stick to like a single gun or two and be fine throughout the entire game. Whereas this one, they kind of force you to use like your entire arsenal. So you're not just using like, you know, the chain gun that you get later on in the game or using some of the more overpowered guns. And I think part of that is because ammo is more limited in this one. The frequency of ammo pickups is like they force you, which for better or for worse, it depends on the kind of person you are, to use your chainsaw more. Chainsaw ammo is more frequent. And so a lot of times you'll find out that you're running out of ammo for several of your guns. And so you have to quickly find an easy enemy to, you know, saw in half and spew all the ammo. It definitely changes the pacing and the strategy. Because I remember in the first one, if you liked a weapon, you could kind of sit on it for quite a while. And especially if you had like two or three that you preferred, there were some weapons you didn't even really have to use. So that's totally different. Yeah, and they've, um, at least from what I remember from the original you had to kind of really search and dig to find uh, weapon mods, weapon attachments. Um, And this one, like before you're maybe 30 minutes into the game, you already have your first two guns and you have weapon mods for the first gun, the shotgun, and then you have a weapon mod for the the, um, next gun that you get. And it's like right in front of you. You don't have to do any searching. It's like part of like the actual you know, main place where you're supposed to go. So they've kind of simplified. I think they, you know, looked at the original and found out, you know, what did work great and what didn't work great. And this one, they've kind of, in a sense, simplified the upgrade system for your uh, gun modifications. Uh, you have like a, a upgrade tree for each mod that you get for, per gun. And when you get all those upgrades for that particular tree, you have the bonus tree or the bonus upgrade that you can get that if you complete a certain challenge, um, you get that upgrade kind of similar to the, the previous one. So that's, I guess, fairly similar, but the user interface for all that has been like redesigned. Um, it's a little more simplified, uh, a little more streamlined. Yeah, that's cool. So they kept what worked and then kind of changed things up a bit to make it a little bit easier to use. That's cool. And it's easier. I mean, I played with the controller the whole time. I didn't use mouse and keyboard. But with the controller, it was very easy to swap between all my different guns uh, using, like, the bumpers on the controller to kind of cycle through all the different upgrades for each weapon and stuff. And you can easily see at a glance uh, what upgrades or mods you have for what gun and which ones you don't and such. In that sense, it's, it's easier... It, takes less time kind of thinking about what upgrades you want and then you know getting back into the fight i'm interested to see that because i do remember in the first one i really enjoyed the aesthetic presentation of all the menus and everything it was you know had its own feel that fit everything else in the game and it was consistent but it was like for some of the text boxes i'm like dude i gotta get out a microscope to read this crap like it's like it's like seven point font and it's paragraphs of it and it's not even like like, some of the lore entries were like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's something that they, f- I think, fixed in this one. Like, the, the text uh, boxes and everything, are the fonts are much larger and easier to read. Yeah, like you said, the, the it's less tedious 
if anything, even like with the main menu system, it's very simplified. It almost kind of reminds me of like hearkening back to like old arcade games and such with just the how the menus look. And uh, the music also, the main menu music plays into that as well. But yeah, this one, from a music standpoint, uh, in this one, they definitely, there's obviously the, I guess you probably got like 90% or so of like the heavy metal chugga chugga in the first one. There's a little bit that kind of deviates from that with the electronic music and whatnot. And there's like some orchestral elements in the first one, but they kind of they do a nice blend in this one where it's still very much the heavy metal, you know, in the midst of uh, when you're killing hordes of demons. But uh, in the spaces in between that, there are certain moments where they completely deviate from that and they have more of like this orchestrally driven. It's hard to kind of explain unless you actually heard uh, some of the tracks from the new soundtrack. But they do a blend of, yes, there's the heavy metal, you know, high octane, anxiety driven, you know, got to shoot all these enemies really quick or I'm going to die. But then there's also the spaces of like when you're doing puzzles or, you know, that sort of stuff. The music changes to kind of reflect that. Sounds like we'll do another music episode so we can... Hear what that's all about. Oh yeah, like the music is much more complex than past games. There's because and in this game too, they they focus a lot more on story, which mm-hmm. you get a little bit of in the first one. But there's a lot of lore and there's a lot of uh, places that you go to where you, you really get to kind of see the whole be- or some of the backstory of where the demons come from. You know who is the Doom Slayer, the the main character that you play as. And you also get to see a lot more NPC characters that you don't get to, that you really didn't get to see at all in the first one. Everything's kind of put a lot more detail and depth. It's it's a little formulaic, but it gives you a little more reason and cause as to why you're doing that instead of just mindless killing. And with that too, is like the the environments that like I was absolutely blown away by like the environmental detail. Because, like, there are times where you might go through a door and it opens up to, like, this grand plateau view of the current setting that you're in. And it's just, like, I could sit there for, like, ten minutes and just stare at it because it looks so amazing. Another thing that I really enjoyed that's kind of a new thing, one of their big marketing things was the gore system, where as you shoot enemies, pieces of flesh, like, fall off. And on top of that, certain enemies have certain uh, appendages and and such that you can destroy that make them weaker. For example, one of the enemies is like a spider, and he has a cannon on the top of his head, and you can actually shoot the cannon off of his head, so he's forced to use like this weaker gun. And so they've done that kind of stuff with um, several other enemies. So it's much more strategical in terms of how you engage uh, your enemies versus just point and shoot. And there's also certain conditions that you can meet with enemies that can allow you to dispatch them very quickly, which otherwise would take. uh, But there's like certain criteria that you have to meet um, in order to do that or a certain like move that you have to do. So that's probably like a twofold thing because I'm sure it looks cool and it's impressive. 
and it gives you feedback for like, okay, how much is left on this dude versus this dude. So you can kind of make a strategic choice in the moment in terms of combat. But then, yeah, in a sense, it also works like a health system too. You know, as more flesh comes off, the weaker that they are obviously getting. So as more enemies come into the fold or spawning in, you can help. You can kind of manage. You know, who's weak and who's you know a fresh demon. Very, yeah, very, very pleased uh, with it. There is also, without going into too much detail, there's uh, in-game content, which is is cool too. There's a lot of collectibles and such. They've redone. The thing they kind of deviated from the last one where you had to go get uh, Praetor uh, suit chips that were hidden throughout the, the game in the original to upgrade your suit. It works a little bit differently in this one where you're given points based off of the amount of demons that you're killing. And you can use those points to upgrade your weapons and upgrade uh, your suit, um, which has a whole new... Uh, uh, upgrade system compared to the last one that's more detailed and you have a lot more options as far as what you want to upgrade or not upgrade at first i was a little uh i was slightly overwhelmed but it sh- quickly became like really easy to you know kind of based off my play style and what i was using a lot uh you know what options to choose it's not it's not that complicated it just took me you know a couple minutes to kind of acquaint myself with it that seems like kind of a weird inclusion in terms of genre because, well, I'm, I haven't played this one, but I'm just based off the first one. It's like, yeah, there are different approaches to scenarios, but ultimately it's not like it's so varied like it would be in a, a different kind of RPG where it's like, you know, multi-genre where you can approach things head on or do like a truly stealth approach or, you know what I mean? Or yeah. be like really far away or be up close. Yeah, and with the level design too, is this like it's not it's not very. Um, I mean, there are places, but a lot of the times it's multi-leveled. The areas that you're fighting in, so you might you know be on the third floor, you know, killing a few demons down there, but down on the bottom floor, there's you know a huge giant demon that's going to take forever to kill, and so there's a lot of different opportunity for moving around and and such that you know keeps it. Turned up to 11. Oh, yeah, I can imagine. Well, I mean, even having the inclusion of a system like that is kind of a testament to how much more depth was added in this one because just thinking about the first one, this doesn't even make a lot of sense. So, like you're saying, the mobility and the variation in, like, the environment sounds like it's more vertical. Yeah, it is more vertical, and, you know, with the upgrades and weapons and stuff that you get um, really kind of complement that on top i mean the whole game just through and through is just like a bit like taking what was great about the first one and just polishing it you know to the max and then also just adding a few small things here and there that kind of really you know take it to what would be a proper sequel somebody buy me this game (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome dude it sounds like you enjoyed it that's cool yeah yeah, sound design is amazing. You get a lot more because you're not stuck in like in the first one, you uh you're in Mars and hell the whole time. Whereas here you go to a lot more diverse and very different uh places 
it almost gave me kind of the sense when I was first playing it of kind of like an open world sandboxy type feel. I mean, it is fairly linear, but I did get the sense where it's more open and more expansive than the the first one. But so it's not Metroidvania, like you don't backtrack, right? Uh, you can actually backtrack. Is there a purpose to it? Not really, unless you want to go back and get more of the you know bonus secret content that you may have missed. Oh, so you can like replay different sections. Yeah. Okay. Nice. So, nothing but great things to say about it. Mm-mm-mm. I've heard uh, that isn't the only good thing on your list, or maybe it is. Uh, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, uh, the sequel to uh, Ori and the Blind Forest that came back. It came out in 2015, I think. This one picks right off where the the first one kind of left off. Again, it's it's similar in in Doom Eternal that they took what was great about Ori and the Blind Forest and expounded upon what worked really great in this one. Although, because I've been playing it for PC, I don't know how the console version operates, but for the the PC, because I'm playing it like right out of uh, release, there's definitely some optimization kind of stuttering issues with the gameplay uh, in certain places. And then uh, I've had an issue that they're supposedly putting out a patch this week, where if I plug my headphones in, it's basically uh, unhearable. Like, you can't listen to it because audio keeps cutting in and out and such. So you basically can't play it when Kayla's trying to hang out with you in the same room. <laughs> exactly. That's a problem. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, if, aside from a few small bugs, um, which to me is kind of interesting because they've been working on this game for, you know, five years you would think that on the initial release date that you wouldn't have those issues. But when the first one came out, uh, it was only for Xbox, so they didn't have to deal with the PC and the Xbox, you know, platforms. Uh, so that could, you know, be a, a attributing to why, um, you know, that's like that. But music uh, was a big selling point um, for the first one, and it's the same guy who did uh, this one. Gareth Edwards, I think, is his name. Uh, don't quote me on that because I'm not entirely sure, but I'm pretty sure that's uh, who did it. He's done this one, and it's still got that kind of very fantastical, grand tone and vibe to it. Uh, it's a little more kind of in the background, I felt, in this one than it was in the first one. And that that might just be because... You know, I'm kind of used to it at this point from playing the first one. I don't know. Uh, but it didn't stand out to me as much as the first game's soundtrack. Do you think that was intentional? Like, was it designed, was it composed to take a backseat, or do you think that was unintentional? Uh, I don't know. I mean, if you were to listen, like, from the first one to the second one, it feels like it doesn't really skip a beat. So I guess I was hoping for a little more... Uh, just kind of pushing it more um, than it is. That being said, it's not bad. But it's no Doom Eternal. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's no uh, Doom Eternal. They've done some really cool stuff with uh, the customization because Ori, like uh, Doom, is kind of a Metroidvania type of game where you're acquiring abilities as you go. And it's very much a maze-like uh, thing where you're going... 
you know, back and forth to places you previously visited because you weren't originally able to go there because you didn't have, you know, the proper abilities or whatever that you now have. They've added the ability to kind of play your own style, so to speak. And the first one, you get abilities and they're pretty much locked in place. Whereas this one, you have certain abilities that are passive that you use that you can't, you know, customize or whatever. But you do have in this one, the way that you attack, you can acquire different types of attacks that you can assign to different buttons. And you have like three in your uh, heads up display in the game, which is fairly minimal, but you have a chart at the bottom that lets you see which abilities you have assigned to which buttons. And if you push a certain key, you can pull up a menu that lets you assign those three buttons that you use to different abilities. So it gives you some kind of flexibility in terms of how you like to play. Um, and you can acquire abilities based on, you know, how you like to um, attack your enemies or and that sort of thing. So that was kind of like a nice addition to this one that was didn't exist in the, the previous one. So are you kind of building out a class that way? Kind of. It's very, very minimal. I mean, you have abilities that are core to the game that you have to have, and they're pre-assigned uh, in order to you know move through the game. But in terms of how you choose to uh, approach your enemies and the creatures that you find... Uh, there's there's several different options if you want to do more if you're more like a ranged type person or if you want to be like the heavy hitter or if you want to be like kind of a fast and nimble approach yeah that's really cool so you can kind of customize around your preferred play style i like that yeah <laughs> all that to say that um the game is is still a lot of fun the story aspect is if you ever played the first one, it's very kind of somber. Kind of, it really tugs on your heartstrings, and it definitely does uh, in this one too. It's just it takes kind of a more do- darker and more somber approach. And obviously, I don't know what the bright side of it is yet because I haven't finished the game yet. And they also do a really good job of like certain enemies. They give a backstory as to why they're like that, like why they became bad in the first place. Interesting. Uh, which is kind of cool because it's all based on animals and creatures. There's no like artificial machinery or anything like that. It's all you know nature and organics and such. They they have more fantasy like elements to them. But yeah, it's it's cool that they give you know context as to why they are what they are, which was a kind of a, a nice surprise. That's kind of weird. Are they trying to build sympathy up before you have an encounter with them? Oh, yeah. You, your like, heart gets wrenched out when you find like the backstory to some of these enemies. Oh, no. <laughs> no, it, it's, it's very much a core part of the game. So, no, you can't skip it. And then are you pitted against them when you find them? You Well, it's kind of a cat-mouse thing. Some enemies you, you engage immediately, but then you don't completely defeat them, and then you find you, you see them again later, and you engage with them again. Oh, wow, that's crazy. Yeah. I'd be like, no, I don't want to fight you. <laughs> I understand you now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Nice. Well, it sounds like overall you have, are enjoying it. It's just like some technical stuff that will get ironed out. 
it's not enough to be like a game breaking type thing. It's just, you know, for my preferred preference of wanting to use headphones to fully enjoy like, you know, the sound design and the music and all that. I can't necessarily do right now until they, you know, patch it. But it's not stopped me from actually playing the game. Of course not. (laughs) (laughs) All you have to do is turn the volume up really loud on your TV. (laughs) (laughs) Your neighbors will love it. Right. But uh, that's pretty much the the main gist of uh, what I've been playing. I think I mentioned in a previous podcast that I was playing Control, which I still haven't finished, but it was another episode where I explained it in more detail than what needs to be said in this one. Are you still keen on finishing it? At some point. It's kind of tabled for now. But yeah, at some point I'll, I'll get back into it. Nice. I saw that they're starting to distribute third-party games on Epic Store, and I think Control is one of them. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, Epic Games has basically more or less become you know, the Steam alternative if you don't want to go the Steam route. So I think the main Epic Games selling point right now is they have certain titles that were like PS4 exclusives or you know another console exclusive that they're now showing up on the Epic Games Store. So what you're saying is Jesse does not need to get a PS5. Is it Mac compatible? <laughs> That's a good question. I'm sure it should be, but I don't know. Or only games. That's the question. Ooh. Oh, That's, yeah. that's uh, the problem. Yeah, I can download Steam. But like 20% of the games are only Mac compatible. But that's okay. That's why I have my trusty Switch and PS4 and soon PS5. <laughs> Can you guys hear my cats fighting in the background? Yeah, they uh, a little bit. They're <laughs> <laughs> like, we don't like being stuck in this room. Cool. Thanks for sharing, George. I'm going to do mine real quick because I've only got one. Tell us all about it. Oh yeah, I'm 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 going right. In. I'm going for it. You can't stop me. <laughs> so I've been playing Pillars of Eternity 2: Deadfire, which is a really long title. It is a sequel. It is a isometric D&D, super nerdy, super in-depth RPG game. I don't know if you if you're not familiar with all those things that I just said. It's like a quote-unquote old PC game where you have to like. For instance, the level of depth is like, oh, I'm going to spend at least like eight minutes preparing my crew on my ship with all the (laughs) materials that they need and putting them in the right positions and figuring out the math for like how much food and water they need and how many like materials we need for repairs along the way to make this journey from point A to point B based on the mileage and like how much wind is blowing in that direction and how many days, like, on average, do I think it's going to take, and we might have to make a pit stop and blah, blah, blah. So, like, if you want to do anything, you have to, like, really just use your whole brain to... Or I guess you don't, actually. You could just do whatever you want, but I tend to engage my full brain whenever I'm playing this game. So it's a a super nerd fest. I'm really enjoying it because it's, it's an Obsidian Entertainment game. Oh. Which is the developer that made the Coder games, which both of you have played. Yes. The what games? Knights of the Old Republic. Oh, no. I've never played that. 
Wait, yeah. I, I, I you like Star Wars. I know. I know. You know what? I freaking love Star Wars. Okay, well, don't you should don't doubt me on that. <laughs> but I never had a way to play it when I was younger. So, you know, waiting for all those you can actually, to be made. You can, you can actually get it for your phone now. What? Yeah. On my phone? Yeah, you can play it on your phone. That's freaking nuts. Dude, I, rem- I literally remember when my brother and I were playing that when we were growing up. We were playing it on a gateway, and it was just, like, so laggy that there was a big open field area that required a lot of processing power. And we would have to, like, guess what would happen. So we'd, like, walk out into an open field, and then the computer couldn't keep up, so we would just freeze. And then we'd have to, like, imagine in our mind how far we were walking. And then just sit there and wait for like five minutes and wait for the computer to catch up. And now you can play it on your phone. It's freaking Yeah. Nice. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, so anyway, so Obsidian made Coder. They did Fallout New Vegas, which is the best Fallout game. They did... What's that newer Obsidian game? I played it. I just don't remember the name of it. Newer Obsidian game. Outer Worlds. The Outer Worlds. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They developed that. So anyways, you get the idea. Their their thing is great storytelling, and it's usually hinged on incredible worlds that they build. So it's like, you know, it's it's the same thing with this game. So you get this really deep world that's very different from ours. It's this one is steeped in kind of a spiritual mythology. So people and other different races that they've created are direct have direct relationships with gods and the gods are competing with each other for power and uh i don't know it's super interesting because you get these different factions in the game that you bump into that are different than anything that like i know that they're amalgamations of different people groups that exist in real life but when you interact with them in a the game it's so nuanced and deep that i have a hard time being like oh, this is clearly, like, these people are obviously Jamaican culture plus, you know, <laughs> Irish something and blah, blah, blah. It's, like, it's so dense that it's really hard to pick apart. So when you interact with these individual people that are part of these faction groups, um, you encounter these really hard moral decisions you have to make because you can't use your existing framework from the real world to like shorthand be like, oh, this is that and this is this. It's unfamiliar enough to where when you're, for example, there's this person who gets accused of oath breaking to a cult that a god is associated with and they're being put on trial. And you have to like, like you intervene and then it's like the way your level of intervention in that situation can either like, turn this person to be set free or it can set them to be punished or there's like these other things, a million different ways it can go. Wow. And, um, I don't know. It was, it was so hard to make that decision because it, I don't know, it forces you to look at your values. It's like independent of all of the existing stuff in the real world. Like how do you make a decision about somebody who's being accused of a crime that doesn't exist in the real world, but, Right. Is equivalent to stealing or equivalent to. So anyways, it's super interesting for that reason. Um, I won't bore you with all the details because it's really dense, but you're kind of, uh, you know, you're like a a group of pirates. You have a 
you have a special ability because you're the main character. You have a special ability to talk to dead people, um, and or like interact with their souls, and you can either set them free or you can entrap them. And you're like working for one god who's trying to manipulate you to do what they want, but you can kind of be like, "No, I don't want to do what you want. I'll do whatever I want, Dad." <laughs> or you can follow other gods or whatever. So. Anyways, they basically, like, have created this super dense and interesting world and then just set you free in it. You can just do whatever. There's, all, like, all these different islands to explore and people to interact with. So That's cool. I, I don't know how much time I've spent in it, but I feel like I'm just scratching the surface. And I have, you know, I've spent, I've spent a little time in it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really now, enjoying it. It's awesome. Question. Yeah. Uh, the decisions that you make, you said that there's a lot of different... Uh, ways that you can go about a certain encounter. Yeah. Do you feel like those decisions, depending on which way you go, significantly affect gameplay? Um, so far, a few of them have, and a few of them have seemingly been inconsequential. Uh, but it's really hard to tell because at times you're making decisions about, uh, you know, are you going to, there's this person who's in jail for you know public urination but they're super talented at this skill that you need for your ship and it would like bolster up all your stats like to a crazy degree but they have like a character trait which is that they're a drunkard which means that they're probably a uh what a pita <laughs> right george <laughs> um so i i don't know it's it's like whenever you make a decision it's kind of like a trade-off so even in an instance where it's pretty clear what the, you know, what you're choosing, there's not a binary of like a good or bad decision. It's usually a meeting in the middle somewhere. But I would imagine this is one of those games where like, now that I'm thinking, you're making me think about things I've done now. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that could probably, <laughs> that's probably going to come back to bite me later. <laughs> it has in the other Obsidian games. They are that way. Like you do things and you make these like really spur of the moment quick things and sometimes it's a comment to somebody and sometimes it's a i'm gonna go here versus there and it seems yeah. trivial but then in the end game it's like oh my gosh so that's all i got i've been on the pc a lot but i think jesse has not been on the pc i think she's been on her switch well i had to play catch up on pokemon sword you we all heard in the last podcast uh, robert reviewing pokemon shield and i can say I can now verify that review. So we have <laughs> two out of the three Pokemon verified. Um, but a little bit just from my perspective as someone who's played Pokemon, like the older games growing up, um, it was a really nice refresh. I think I think it's sort of the update the, the game series needed. Um, and I'm really happy to see like they included Pokemon from a bunch of different generations because it was just a pleasure sort of rediscovering a few of them. And um, I really hope with the expansions, they add a whole new uh, group of Pokemon from older games. So sure. I'm really excited about that. And I will probably buy the expansion pass. Um. <laughs> what did you think of the expansion pass announcement? Yeah, that was another interesting, like instead of just randomly throwing um, new gyms in there, being like, oh no, we're going to have these challenge towers. Uh, which normally, I don't know, in the games, other Nintendo games I've played, those types of, like, challenge towers do a bunch of levels in a row without dying have 
always been really fun to me, so I look forward to it. So I've also enjoyed trading a lot in that game. Like I just really? remember being a kid and having to like connect all the wires to the Game Boy Advances between people. To, it's really cumbersome to trade, and just being able to trade locally is really yes. And the few times I have traded online, like randomly, I've gotten really OP Pokemon. Um, like every single oh, time wow. I do it. So there's some <laughs> fairy godmother out there that's giving me good Pokemon. <laughs> um, so I'm like, I just I feel really bad using them in battle because I'm like my 100 level shiny Charizard. Um, oh wow! No, I, I really shouldn't. They're giving you shiny Pokemon. Dang. <laughs> Robert is yelling at me. It's a shiny Charizard from some five-year-old Japanese kid on the black market. <laughs> so, <laughs> thank you, five-year-old Japanese kid on the black market. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'll probably like revisit that um, this summer when the expansion comes out. So you finished the game as it in its current state, correct? Yes. There's like a little post-game. But, yeah, it's sort of just like, oh, you can go po uh, catch more Pokemon or breed them. Like, just extra stuff, filling out the Pokedex, so. Is George too good to play Pokemon? Robert's asking if you're too good to play Pokemon. Oh, no. Um, I have tried many a time to play Kayla's Pokemon uh, Sword, but uh, she hasn't played it yet, and so she won't let me play uh, her Pokemon Sword. So it looks like I'm going to have to go and buy my own Probably Pokemon Shield. Oh. Uh. <laughs> yeah, you should, because it's worked out with Robert and I. Like, we just trade the exclusives we don't have with each other, so. Yeah. The same with Kayla. Huh. Yeah, and uh, I have, um, my, well, actually, my brother has Pokemon Sword, I think. Mm -hmm. So there's yet another reason to join the, the Pokey community. Yeah. Yeah, the Pokey community. Join us. We're, we're very large. <laughs> so that's not the only game that you've been playing. No. Um, I'm just hopping from one Nintendo Switch game to another. Then I hopped on the Animal Crossing New Horizons bandwagon. And what? this is my turn to enter a new uh, a new fandom, a new community. Because I've never played a Animal Crossing game before. But I succumbed to peer pressure and when Robert said he was going to get it, I decided to as well. <laughs> uh, so I'm sure he has things he could say, his own opinions. But uh, it drove me crazy the first three days. Drove me absolutely crazy. <laughs> and then after, on day four, I began to really like it. So, <laughs> gotcha. Um, so what is Animal Crossing? It, it's like, I don't know, it's like a simulation sort of develop your sim style a little bit of you get a character and you have like basically no resources and you get a little deserted island to develop and ultimately you want to improve your house, farm resources from the island, like plant resources strategically and invite more people to the island. Um, so you're, yeah, it's like... It's adult life for kindergartens. It's adult life for kindergartens. Kid, kindergartners, <laughs> as Robert says. And I would, that's actually on one of my bullet points, is that I think the two most valuable things in this game is uh, our patience in gaming. Uh, I think most games aren't, it's very much accomplishment-based. Well, you know, with uh, achievement unlocks, that's sort of, 
almost every game comes with nowadays uh, a list of achievements to get. It's always about you see all these games like speed runs and how quickly can you finish the game or I've collected this really obscure thing that's like has a 0.01% spawn rate and it's like you don't I think a lot of games are oriented towards like you know going from one task to the other uh, yeah whether that's a linear story game or whether that's like Fortnite and you your task is to be the last one standing um, it's very immediate, but I think this game, and I'm assuming most Animal Crossing games are, they reward patience, and as long as you're not cheating by updating your system clock, I think, <laughs> <laughs> you know, some things you have to wait till the next day to do, or you have to wait till the next season, or you have to wait till the next year. And That's cool. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it drove me crazy in the first three days, like I said, because I wanted to do the next thing, but either out of my lack of creativity or lack of patience, <laughs> lack of patience you know, I was um, thwarted. But, you know, it slowly starts stacking new systems, and it keeps introducing new systems every day, so you can do more and more every day. So now I'm at a point where I don't feel, like, lacking for things to do. Well, that's cool. So this is, like, would you say this is kind of a game where you can invest as much or as little time as you want, um, be, being that it's like a day-by-day day reflecting the real... I mean, I'm guessing... I mean, hypothetically. It kind, of, it kind of reflects the uh, real-world calendar that yes. you have, like, uh, 12 months and then 365 days of the year. Mm-hmm. And there's seasonal things uh, for you to do. Exactly. So once summer begins, there's going to be a bunch of new fish and bugs and um, different weather patterns and stuff like that. So um, That's cool. It's very... I've, I haven't played a game like that before, so it's very new to me, very refreshing, and I think people who like the easy-going gameplay will appreciate it. It has a very cute aesthetic, um, very Nintendo, but people who like decorating, like decorating your home and your outfits or... You know, it's it's all up to you, and that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So there's not like any sort of uh, end game um, type of thing or goal that you're trying to achieve. Like, what what's kind of like the main driving factor of the game? Well, they have uh, like in game accomplishments. But it's more like suggestions of how you can continue develop your island. I think okay. it, it. I don't really go into play to get those accomplishments. It's more like, oh, I happen to have caught my fiftieth bug. It gave me a little reward for that. But I'm not going into the game to purposely catch fifty bucks because that right. that would be. Um, <laughs> That's for all you uh, <laughs> bug lovers. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's more like I like the the reason I like Sims and I like Dragon Quest Builders is I like building a bunch from nothing. So developing the island has been a lot of fun for me and inviting new characters in and, and checking into the store every day to see if it has items that would help me decorate my home just the way I want it. So, yeah, I think it's a, also another great game to have on the side like not your primary game to play but a game to check in on every day for maybe 30 minutes gotcha it's definitely like the perfect game for a quarantine <laughs> so 
Nintendo, what do you know? <laughs> yeah, uh, Kayla was actually uh, looking at it the other day on the online store, and she's like, I really want this. But then she saw the price tag, and she's like, I can't get it right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's up there with the Nintendo costs. It's not going to come down anytime soon. <laughs> right. Now, with the, with the $60 price point, would you say that that feels adequate, or does it feel like a game that needs would feel more appropriate in the lower price point market? Oh, no. It's, it's definitely a full, fleshed-out game. Okay. It's definitely worth that cost, and especially since this is a game I'm probably going to be playing throughout the next year. As an adult woman, um, I think that this game is perfect for teaching our youth about life. <laughs> <laughs> um, or some some aspects of adult life. Like, you naturally go out and catch bugs and chop down trees, right? Yeah. <laughs> with, with, with adult supervision. Of course. No, um, but I, I found it surprising with all of these random, like, you know, very game-like tasks. There's also the, hey, you want a new home? Well, that's going to be a loan. You're going to get a loan to get that home, and you have to pay off that loan before you can do anything else. Um, <laughs> and, like, they've just introduced the a, like, stock market equivalent in the game. Like, uh, so there's just elements in it that are very, like, oh, that's very real life. Um, yeah. So it, like, has a sense of responsibility. It goes along with that patience of... I think it's trying to teach long-term reward, and mm. I think... Well, that's cool. Yeah, those types of things are I mean, valuable to teach kids in an um, easy avenue like this. Yeah, it's a fun pastime, but they're also hopefully, you know, retaining, you know, in a sense, uh, some potentially valuable lessons about the future. Yeah, Nintendo likes doing that. Well, speaking of the future... Uh, these are games that we are currently playing. Are there any sort of upcoming titles or things that we are looking forward to? Hmm. Well, that's a the question now. Like, if release schedules are still gonna stand right. course or not? If everything, in a sense, kind of stays on schedule uh, despite the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, they pushed back the Final Fantasy, didn't they? I'm not sure. I think they did. It's possible. That, I think, was the next on my list to try. I was, uh, I'm actually concerned that Cyberpunk is now going to be re-delayed. Yeah, that sort of has a high chance of getting delayed. I think just even if the game's done, just shipping it might be an issue, like the physical copies. Um, and I don't, that's the question then, too, if they're going to release digital copies separate from physical. Who knows? Do you have yeah, anything on your mind, George? Never get uh, <laughs> what do you say? You can never get Metroid Prime 4. Yeah, that's probably never going to happen. <laughs> I probably won't even get, like, any sort of, like like, news either this year. Yeah. Aside from the fact that it's still being worked on. <laughs> You'll get a little one minute in a Nintendo Direct saying, it's here's a more highly rendered title screen. <laughs> yeah. Or or um, Bayonetta 3. Yeah. Those are the two main uh, Nintendo games that I guess I'm 
I'm more looking. I'm also looking forward to the new Legend of Zelda game announced last year. Uh, but yeah, as far as uh, Nintendo games, those uh, I'll probably be playing Cyberpunk on the PC. I'm also, even though it's not a new release, uh, but it's coming out uh, for PC, is Death Stranding. Oh yeah. I'll, def- I'll definitely be picking that up once it uh, hits. You can actually pre-order it right now in the Epic Game Store. Uh, I haven't done it yet, but definitely will be picking that up when it comes out. I'm so excited to get your take on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then it actually just came out, but I really, 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 really want to play it. Uh, It's a VR title from Valve uh, called Half-Life Alex. Oh, yeah, Half-Life Alex. And from what I've heard, I can't confirm this, but from what I've heard, it's basically picking up the story from where Half-Life 2 left off. Oh, wow. Why is it not Half-Life 3, then? I don't know. <laughs> I will never understand what what goes on over there. Maybe because it's a VR title and not, like, a traditional... It's a different medium, and so they probably had to, like, give it a different name or something. I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah, in a sense, it's like... So it, from what people are saying, it's like a true, proper, like one of the best, if not the best VR title you can get oh, wow. right That's now. Great. Just in terms of immersion and the, the mechanics of the game, it's like next level. And it's 60 bucks, which is, I think, I don't know of any other game right now that is 60 bucks for VR. So it's like a full-fledged AAA title. Well, you're our resident VR expert, so you're going to have to review it for us and give us all the details. Yeah, I was actually planning on going, because uh, my, my headset is at work, grabbing it from work and plugging it up later today, but we'll see about that. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we had this little brief update. Quarantine week two. Yeah, despite uh, the mass uh, hysteria that's going on in the world right now video games will always be there will always be there (laughs) it is pretty crazy though that like yeah there's a pandemic happening but you're essentially not skipping a beat because we have technology that allows us to stay connected with everyone yeah it's pretty cool until that gets shut down yeah let's let's not think about that (laughs) (laughs) It, it, to see if my Wi-Fi can handle it. That's that's. It's not even until the internet gets shut down. It's my own Wi-Fi that's giving me trouble. Right, right, right. And we'll we'll dust off those old N64 titles. Don't need no internet. Stay safe out there.